0: The following program is pre-recorded. Live from the Hope Center in Plano, Texas, this is Hope in the Night. Late night talk radio offering biblical hope and practical help. And on the air now for over 25 years. I'm Jeff Oliver here with author and speaker, June Hunt. June, as a part of a continuing series that you're doing on how to handle your emotions, the hot topics of, uh, of emotions, you're looking this week to talk about anxiety. And uh, that is if people would like to join you there live in person, they can do that at First mm-hmm. Baptist of Dallas, and uh, they can do that on five, at 5.30 on Sunday nights, 5.30 to 7.00. And that's uh, central time because uh, that is important because if you want to do it by Zoom, you'll have to know exactly what time <laughs> it is and uh, get all the details there at hopefortheheart.org slash events and uh, find out if you'd like to uh, be a part of that. But in speaking about anxiety, you have talked about before the uh, some of the myths that surround the topic of anxiety. So what are some mm-hmm. of those?
1: Well, I think this one is, is extremely important. If someone thinks, well, because I have this anxiety and it kind of consumes my life, I should always avoid whatever makes me feel anxious. Hmm. Now, that's what people do. They do avoid, in fact, um, agoraphobia uh, is an abnormal fear and anxiety over um literally open spaces or or the marketplace it's, it literally means fear of the marketplace but it's just literally um afraid to, and be, people will become homebound i have a friend um who became not only a, a principal of a high school but the point is She had agoraphobia before that and did not leave the home for three years. Hmm. Well, anyway, um, let me say why this is a myth. Avoiding whatever it is, whatever makes you feel anxious, can actually make you feel even more anxiety. Because it's like you're nursing what that anxious. Um, reaction is Um, instead of alleviating the angst avoidance can actually reinforce the anxiety therefore you will likely find that you can ultimately work through an anxious situation when you face it the key is facing it the bible says in my distress i call to the lord I cried to my God for help from his temple. He heard my voice. My cry came before him into his ears. That's Psalm 18.6. Now, I'm going to tell you about someone that's on our team uh, at Hope for the Heart. And uh, she had received a master's degree from um, Southwestern Seminary and joined our our staff, and she was part of the counseling program. And then um, the the head of our international department said, I think you would be really helpful and needed uh, in our international work. And she was all for it, not remembering, not thinking, Oh dear! I have to fly on an airplane. Mm-hmm. Oh she no. would have an anxiety attack mm. doing that. And she said the first time, when she ever heard me speak in person, I was dealing with this kind of, uh, of fear. Uh, in this case, it was the fear of flying, but uh, it was a phobia that she had, and uh, she learned by being on a plane and doing the exercises that we had in our keys on anxiety and on fear, then what occurred is then she, and she would literally quote these scriptures over and over. Finally, she's been in 30 some odd length, uh, uh, not languages, countries. Uh, countries yeah. And, um, we are in 36 languages right now. Uh, we we're going to be in another language very shortly, but the point is, uh, it you know she tells this that it was applying what she had, uh, what we have in our keys. We call them keys for living, and um, it was applying the 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 specifics of what to do to, to literally um, quote the the scripture. And, but it's, it's taking the Lord is my shepherd. It's the Lord is my shepherd. Deep breath. And then literally, the, the Lord is my shepherd. In other words, you're emphasizing a different word each time. And you take a deep breath and slowly say this, the phrase, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd the lord is my shepherd all of this is very slow in between you're taking deep breaths and that is part of the solution to enable you to no longer have the lightheadedness meaning the hyperventilation that's what typically is going on and so but here we're using the word of god so uh, the point is you face it you don't avoid it So if, and I understand avoiding something that you don't like happening to you if you're having either a panic attack or an anxiety attack, uh, yes, I understand the avoidance, but it's not the solution. Doing what we have here in our keys is a solution.
2: Jesus said, The Spirit of the Lord is on me to proclaim good news to the poor and to proclaim freedom for prisoners. The Lord came to set captives free, and He calls us to do the same. Hope for the Heart has an exciting opportunity to help bring the light of God's Word into the lives of those in prison. Thanks to our generous supporters, we were recently able to send 6,000 of June Hunt's books and biblical resources to Rikers Island Prison in New York City. The prison chaplain told us the whole atmosphere changed with the inmates because light was finally coming into the darkness. The supply of resources was a direct answer to years of prayer, and many inmates have given their lives to the Lord. It's a truly remarkable story of hope, and it's all possible because of generous friends like you. If you would like to help send more biblical resources to prisons around the country, you can give online today at hopefortheheart.org forward slash give hope. That's hopefortheheart.org forward slash forward slash give hope.
3: Eight hundred six four 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 eight one seven.
0: You are listening to Hope in the Night with June Hunt. I'm Jeff Oliver, and we'll get back to our or get to our caller in just a moment. Our customer support team is available at 800-488-HOPE anytime Monday through Friday, 8 to 5 Central Time. They'd be happy to help guide you to God's hope through our resources. I want to recommend the keys for living that June was just mentioning there on anxiety. That's called Calming the Fearful Heart. And again, that's available by calling customer support at 800-488-HOPE. That's 800-488-4673. If there's something happening in your life and you'd like to talk with June Hunt about that on a future broadcast of Hope in the Night, we welcome your call at 800 17 800 night 17 And when you call, leave a detailed message for us. We'll get back and talk to you about some questions you have, what things you'd like to have answered about that situation and uh, what God's heart would be on that. So give us a call and uh, we'd love to have that conversation with you and schedule you for an upcoming Hope in the Night. The number again, 800 917 800 Let's get to our caller for tonight. We have listening on WNRZ in Tennessee. Tonight we have Ruth.
1: Well, hello, Ruth. Welcome to Hope.
4: Hello, Jean. Thank you very much.
1: How can we help
5: you?
4: if I can please first tell you how much I appreciate you and your ministry and how much it's helped me, the times that I've been able to listen in the last few years. And Mm. one thing that you said to another caller, uh, I think it was a couple of months ago, uh, you told him that forgiveness is one way. Correct. And that was so profound to me. And I shared it with so many people, uh, and it's uh, really, forgiveness is part of my struggle mm-hmm. and the reason that I wanted to hear your advice.
1: I'm happy to share, and I'm grateful that it was meaningful to you. So give me the background of what has been so challenging uh, and the need for you to forgive. We all have Things that happen to us where, but some are much more severe than others.
4: I, I, I know that, and I want to first uh, disclaimer that what happened to me was not so severe as compared to many stories, and I know that, but. As a child, um, my family was regular church attenders every time the doors were open. I had my mom and dad and a brother and sister. Our family, two adults, three children. And we had friends, my mother and father's best friends. I perceived them to be their best friends. Another couple also had three children. And uh, we did things outside of church, after church, uh, again, every time church doors were open through the week, uh, revivals, vacation, Bible school, church retreats, all those things we did together, as well as other activities together. Yes. And uh, my, dad's, my dad's best friend uh, would take opportunities to molest me, mm. he Did not rape me, but he He would touch me, and what he did is he would hang out where the children were playing. And he even did this at church. So once uh, I became an adult, I have always said your children are not safe anywhere, especially at church. That did not keep me from attending church or taking my children to church. I just know that you have to keep an eye on even... Who you might think is your best friend. That's what I learned. Um, what happened is um, I, I got, I, I realized I didn't want this happening as I got older. Maybe I'm guessing around, I'm guessing I was around 10 or 11 years old, and maybe 11 or 12 years old, and um, I'm going to call him Mr. Harper.
6: Uh, okay.
4: he, he had made a couple of attempts to get close to me, and I had to push him away. And the last time we were at their house, after church one Sunday night, and I rode home alone with my mom that night, my parents came in separate cars. So I told on him. I was just feeling like I couldn't stay, keep myself. I just felt like I needed to tell. I didn't feel Good. safe around him.
1: You're supposed to and, do that.
4: so you know, what my, my parents chose to do, or well, what they told me it is that we would not have contact with them anymore. So we did not do anything outside of attending church with them uh, until I was an older teenager. But they had three children, and they were like our cousins, and we were good friends. And their oldest son married a girlfriend of mine that I went to school with. He would not have known her had I not brought her to church. When her they they started having children, first they had a boy, and then their next child was a little girl. And it hit me that I've got to tell her. I can't let her expose her daughter. Well, meanwhile, I read Mm -hmm. up and studied up on why do people molest children, and what's the history and what to expect of someone who's a pedophile. And I know exactly. that, you know, they have the highest recidivism rate if they've been charged in, in jail. They've returned to their crime. So anyway, I felt like I must tell her. And I did tell her. Uh, and she said, oh, I never thought of my stepdad as anything less than a saint. And, you know, I said, well, you need to know that he's a child molester. And that's what he did to me. So anyway... Um, They had another little girl, and then within a couple of years, she left her husband, who is my childhood friend. I'm going to call him Bronson.
1: Okay.
4: Well, this was really hard on him. She took their children and and, uh, ran off with the next-door neighbor, and uh, it was so hard on him. I just felt like it was a curse on him because of his father, but I never told him until... He, t- I, I stayed friends with him, and uh, he told me about being at the attorney's office uh, not long after she left him. They had to talk about child support and visitation, and he was in the attorney's office with his wife who just left him and the neighbor that she left him with for, and the neighbor said in the attorney's office, um, What a creep he is. What rock did he crawl out from under? His father is a child molester. And I had never discussed what happened with my friend about his dad, only with his wife. And so I said to him, well, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. But that's what happened. And he said to me, well, my dad told us kids one time that he had done something really bad, but God had forgiven him for it. So my friend put that to me like maybe that's true. He didn't say, oh, I believe you or I don't believe you. He That's just all that was said. Well, he went on... Uh, to live a sad, lonely life, and watch the neighbor raise his children, and how hard that was. I know, but um, he died in 2018. Then uh, he, they had uh, another son and a daughter. The daughter was much younger, and I really—she was really only three years younger. I thought she was much younger than that, but—but but I never. Um, we're friends with them. The oldest son was my age, and we stayed friends. Anyway, um, in 1998, I'm 63 years old now, so I was, I wrote that down. I don't even remember how how old was I, 38. In, in 1998, when I was 38, I had a born-again experience. I thought I was a Christian, but I, my eyes were open. And I thought, one of the first things I thought is, I've got to call up mr harper and tell Mm -hmm. him that i forgive him so i did i called him up on the phone and uh he, he answered and i said uh mr harper this is ruth and i want you to know that with jesus in my heart i forgive you for what you did to me as a child and he said oh ruth God had already forgiven me, and this makes it complete.
6: Hmm.
5: And that was
4: all that was said. But um, June, I wanted him to apologize to me, and yes. uh, it, it made it complete for him. But it did not make it complete for me. And so, um, as as um, an adult, I, I never discussed with my parents until I was an adult what did they tell Mr. and Mrs. Harper? How did they split off from them the way they did? And so what my parents told me is that um, they didn't say anything to Mr. Harper, only to his wife, Mrs. Harper. And um, that has created a, a grand disappointment in me toward my father. And I'm struggling, I've always struggled with forgiving him for that. And I really, frankly, I don't believe that. I don't believe that.
1: You don't believe what? I want to
4: say it again. I do not believe that my father did not talk to his best friend about what happened. So I've always felt like, okay, Mr. Harper had something over on my dad, and that was their secret. And then I've also thought how mean and cruel that was to only tell Mrs. Harper. And mm. then I wondered, did my friend Bronson ever tell his younger sister? And, I, and well, so what happened is uh, Mr. Harper ended up having five granddaughters.
6: Mm. And
4: uh, he was never um, openly accused or convicted of his crime. And, you know, there was really nothing I could do about it. I guess I could have. It's just been a, a, a lifelong struggle. Well, I just want to say, June, I thought I kind of had smoldered this flame down to just, a, you know, like a, a coal. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. and it's just something I could deal with. But this is what happened just three weeks ago. The, the daughter, I'm going to call her Amy. Amy in the family, uh, we got together for lunch for the first time ever. ever. My brother passed away last year,
6: Mm. and Mm.
4: her other brother passed away last year. Her mother passed away, so all that's left is Amy and Mr. Harper, and she is taking care of him. I think he's 89 years old. She's taking care of him. He lives in her house. So we met for lunch three weeks ago. And I just wanted to talk about her brother, my friend Bronson, who had mm-hmm. passed away in 2018. And I felt like maybe he had a prescription drug addiction. That's what happened to my brother. Mm-hmm. And uh, he said, uh, no, he, he, had a, he had non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, oh. but he had a terrible porn addiction. Mm. And I hear we we need to take
1: a break. Well, we will take a break. Uh, Meanwhile, I want you to know that I think it's appropriate always, when we've been wrong toward anyone, we should literally go to that person and say, I was wrong. By the way, Matthew 5 says if you brought your gift to the altar and you remember somebody has something against you, you forget about that gift. You go make it right with that person. Well, this is not a way to make it right when you went to him.
5: We have an exciting opportunity to share with you to help bring light into one of the darkest areas of the country, into the lives of those in prison. Thanks to our generous supporters, we were recently able to send 6,000 of June Hunt's books and biblical resources to Rikers Island Prison in New York City. Rikers Island is home to 10,000 inmates and is known as one of the harshest prisons in the country. The prison chaplain told us that he was holding back tears because the inmates were so hungry and grateful to receive books filled with hope and truth. It was a direct answer to years of prayer, and the transformation was so great that they got a baptistry so that the inmates could be baptized. It's a truly remarkable story of hope, and it's all possible because of generous friends like you. If you would like to help send more life-changing biblical resources to prisons around the country, you can give online at hopefortheheart.org forward slash givehope.
6: June Hunt and the Ministry of Hope for the Heart have an exciting new resource to encourage you and equip you to help others. It's called the Care and Counsel Library, and it's available at hopefortheheart.org. The Care and Counsel Library has 50 topics in 10 volumes with clear answers from God's Word and practical solutions to real-life issues. It is the culmination of decades of ministry from the compassionate, relevant guidance of June Hunt. This library includes volumes such as Grief and Loss, Abuse and Trauma, Depression and Suicide, and more. These are excellent training tools for counselors, life coaches, or anyone who wants to grow in biblical wisdom to address the real issues of life. Learn more and get the Care and Counsel Library at hopefortheheart.org slash CCL. That's hopefortheheart.org slash CCL.
2: You're
0: listening to Hope in the Night with June Hunt. This is a ministry of hope for the heart, offering God's truth for today's problems. We exist simply because of your ongoing prayers and continued support of this ministry. We thank you for that. If you have any questions about tonight's topics or any number of topics, there are over 100 Keys for Living to help you address what's going on in your life. Just call our customer support team. They're at 800-488-HOPE anytime Monday through Friday, 8 to 5 Central Time. They'll help you access the right resources. We do have Keys for Living on childhood sexual abuse called The Secret Storm. Also, the topic of forgiveness has come up and uh, our Keys for Living called Releasing You, is freeing me. Those and many other topics are available by calling customer support. Also check out our website. A lot of free resources on there as well for um, many, many topics that uh, you might want to uh, take a look at there. It's at hopefortheheart.org and find the free resources tab at the top of the screen. You find some information there. So let us help you with that again, hopefortheheart.org. Back to our conversation now with Ruth.
1: Well, my friend, First of all, I do want to say um, I appreciate the difficulty and the challenge you've had um, because this does color your opinion. Um, it it makes you see things in a different way because you know that there can be things hidden that people have no idea about, and yet you are aware uh, I had something similar happen to me, and I couldn't figure out how to get out of the situation. Um, not exactly sure how old I was, but it was more like the 10 or 11, um, I don't know if I was 12, but, um, I, I finally figured out I've just, must not be in the same room with this person, and, uh. But I never told my mom, although she knew almost everything else. Um, And I, but, you know, I I was always aware of things that could take place. So that's why I'm saying it does help us be more vigilant. And I am so sorry that he did not come back and say, would you be willing to forgive me? Because that is, oh, man. that that would have made a big difference to you. Oh,
4: it sure would have. Well, there's one more piece of the story. When okay. I was meeting with my friend Amy, and she told me her brother Bronson had a terrible porn addiction. She told me mm-hmm. how they found out about that, and how terrible it was. And then June, she looked me in the eye with the sadness and the hurt my heart and said to me, "My both of my brothers molested me when I was a little girl. Mm. And she said, they never penetrated me, but they mm-hmm. touched me and they made me touch them. And she mm-hmm. said, I never told on them. And Jim, mm. I was just looking at her, feeling her pain, What? And you know, I, I felt she has she has an anger toward her older brother because he was older. She said, I know he did it when he was twelve and I was six, he was old enough to know better. I guess he never apologized but her anger and her pain <laughs> telling me about their family and and I don't know, June, I just felt like if if I if I wasn't protecting anybody I was not protecting anybody. I would have told her it's your father's fault. Mm. Mm. I can't imagine that those boys were doing that to her, which is the same thing her father was doing to me mm-hmm. without mm-hmm. his his input on that. I don't know. I, so, so this is where I am. I, I've been dealing with all everything, and then now. The daughter, Amy, who's keeping Mr. Harper in her house, he's in bad health, but she also, he's got the Bible open in his lap, and he's watching the uh, Christian shows and Christian radio, and she spoke of her father the same way that his daughter-in-law spoke of him. Uh, And so I'm thinking that her brother never told her. I wondered if he ever told her what I said about her father. But now, you know, I feel like that's not fair. My friend Bronson was molesting his sister. I just feel sure it was the input of his father. I don't know. Is there any way I can be wrong? And and so what I want to know, I've always wanted to have a conversation with uh, Mr. Harper and ask him, Uh, what happened to you, who did that to you, what was your motivation, and uh, why did my father say y'all never spoke about it. Mm -hmm. Um, And now I've told everything to you, and I'm just ready for your advice.
1: Well, isn't it wonderful that Jesus said the truth set you free? keeping things in secret keeping um evil things is not the healthiest way to live and technically uh to continue on with this knowledge when see that the, the problem is That you found and that I have also in behalf of you is what do you do to protect? Um, Can you, you know, is there something that is beneficial? Uh, Many years ago, I was asked to do a J term, meaning it's teaching, and in this case, it was a college. Uh, They asked me to do it on childhood sexual abuse which I thought was very unusual J term means January term sometimes it can be a June term or July but it's typically uh, either all day for multiple days or it's um, in this case we did it uh, two weeks and um, like three hours in the afternoon um, or three or four and uh, I never will forget. There was a woman, a young a young student, who did not give me any eye contact for the first three days, and I thought, "Hmm, this is unusual." All the other students gave me eye contact, and then that at the end of the third day, <clears throat> she came up to me and she said, "I don't know what to do." She said, "I, I was." Sexually uh, molested by my brother, and I didn't tell anyone. And then now my brother's married, and there are uh, two daughters. And she said, You've gone over the list of what it looks like with the characteristics. Of someone who has been uh, violated. And she said, My two nieces have those characteristics. What do I do? I said, What do you think you should do? And she said, Well, I'm afraid if I confront, it'll blow up the family. But um, yes. I'm afraid. That um, I, I, I'm just concerned because I have these nieces. I said, I said, yes. well, it, it, could, it could change the family dynamic. I said, let me ask you a question. She said, 10 years from now, I said, I asked her, 10 years from now, what would you be glad that you did? Keep quiet or tell. And she said, if it were ten years from now, I would be glad that I said something to someone. I said, okay, now let me tell you how you could do this. You could make an anonymous call to Child Protective Services. It's called different things in different states. Um, right. But there is a an entity that, in essence, gives Child Protection, and that's CPS in some certain states, Child Protective Services. And you could just tell them what had happened to you and exactly what you've just told me. And then... Let them decide if they want to investigate. And if so, um, they are the ones that will do it. But they, they, they would keep your name anonymous. At least that's what I thought would be uh, applicable. Well, later she told me that she did exactly what I said. She called and they ended up saying we don't have enough to go on. Uh, Right. And so I said, well, at least you've done what you could do. Nine months later, she called me. She said, I want you to know that I received a call that CPS had been contacted by someone. I don't know who it was, but and reported that there was childhood sexual abuse taking place. They did investigate it, and her brother was put out of the home for this very reason. But the CPS individuals told her, it's because you had already communicated to us. Then we saw something that sounded like, indeed, there was collaboration here. And I think there was much more specificity, much more, more uh, specific information that they had from the other uh, informant. But she knew she did what was right, and she was just calling to thank me. I said, well, you did the work on this. I just told you what the options were, and I'm very proud of you for doing it. And by the way, from that point on, she gave me eye contact. But my point is, it's a heavy burden to carry when a person, herself or himself, can be a male. By the way, those boys could have easily been uh, violated by their own father. And that's always a possibility. And so I'm saying that just because it doesn't have to just be a female. Sometimes they pick only females, but many pedophiles, uh, it, either way, it's males or females. Um, I'm, let's come back now and consider what choices you have. But I'm hearing that we're going to, let's talk about the forgiveness part especially because I know you want to do what's right in God's sight.
2: Jesus said, The Spirit of the Lord is on me to proclaim good news to the poor and to proclaim freedom for prisoners. The Lord came to set captives free, and He calls us to do the same. Hope for the Heart has an exciting opportunity to help bring the light of God's Word into the lives of those in prison. Thanks to our generous supporters, we were recently able to send 6,000 of June Hunt's books and biblical resources to Rikers Island Prison in New York City. The prison chaplain told us the whole atmosphere changed with the inmates because light was finally coming into the darkness. The supply of resources was a direct answer to years of prayer, and many inmates have given their lives to the Lord. It's a truly remarkable story of hope, and it's all possible because of generous friends like you. If you would like to help send more biblical resources to prisons around the country, you can give online today at hopefortheheart.org forward slash give hope. That's hopefortheheart.org forward slash give hope.
7: As we each solve the puzzle that is our life, we often have questions we can't answer. Usually they're little nagging questions, but sometimes they're larger. So large, in fact, the answer or even the question itself can have life-changing consequences. June Hunt believes the best answers to these tough questions come from God himself, and he's given us those answers in the Bible. For more than 20 years now, June has helped callers find these biblical answers and apply them to their lives. You can talk with June on her radio program, Hope in the Night, about an issue, a hurt, a relationship, or another concern in your life. Call 800 Night 17. And remember, there are no hopeless situations, only people who have grown hopeless. There really are biblical solutions for all of life's struggles. Don't wait. Call now 800 644 4817.
0: You're listening to Hope in the Night. This is a ministry of hope for the heart, offering God's truth for today's problems. And uh, we want to let you know that if you have some uh, interest in the topics that we cover tonight, if you have any questions, uh, really any number of topics, we have keys for living that will help you to address what you're Dealing with in your life and some question that you have, maybe it's a theological question, maybe a relationship question, or uh, some emotional uh, issue that you or someone you care about de- are dealing with. We have resources on all of that. Just call customer support at 488 hope. They're available Monday through Friday, eight to five Central Time. They'd be happy to help you access the right resources. Our keys for living on the childhood sexual abuse called the secret storm, and also forgiveness, releasing you is freeing me. If you'd like to call customer support, again, that number is 800-488-HOPE, 800-488-4673. If you'd prefer to email them, you may do so at support at hopefortheheart.org. Back now to our conversation with Ruth.
1: Ruth, during the break, uh, my friend, Jeff Oliver, uh, whom we've talked with, he was talking about at his church, what is necessary with children that um, there has to be not just two men helping children learn there has to be a female and a male and or there could be a female, but um, I know uh, things in churches have changed hugely. Uh, yeah. And, and I, I, can't, yeah. I can't know, about, I don't know about all denominations, but I do know it's like a man doesn't just take a child to a restroom. There has to be um, two people, um, and one being a female. So I, I am appreciative that many, many churches have been vigilant and are doing the things to protect children because these are all volunteers, you know, who are, are, uh, m- are most or are, m- most all are, are volunteers. And uh, there can be someone who is irresponsible and uh, doing something because a church will have a lot of children so available. And the solution isn't don't go to church. It's the churches being, being vigilant in behalf of the children. Right. So, it, so it sounds like you understand that.
4: Yes. Yeah. Yes, I do.
1: Well. Um,
4: but I wanted to. Ask yes. Go on. If I, you.
1: Um, you want to ask? Uh,
4: I, well, I've had the thought in my mind for 20 years of having a conversation, taking someone with me and and sitting down and asking Mr. Harper mm-hmm. about what he did to me. and I mentioned that earlier. And yes. I, I don't know, but I'm curious if you advise I should do that or I should not do that.
1: Well, I'm not afraid of the truth. Now, we don't know his response, but I think it could be appropriate because uh, going back to what Jesus said, and I'm not saying it was he didn't use these words in the context of childhood sexual abuse, but there's a general principle that the truth sets you free. Um, I think with the right... Uh, uh, attitude, and by the way, I, I, I was going to even say I'm glad you mentioned this. You could go to him and just say, I, when I came to you one time uh, and and told you about the offense, the uh, abuse that uh, you committed against me. You, or actually, you, you said that I have chosen to forgive you. Um, and for him to say, Well, God has already forgiven me, um, I know he said that makes it complete, but the point is, he just, just for you to say, Yes, God does forgive. When we've humbled our hearts and received Jesus as our Lord and Savior. Um, but um, what would have made or been meaningful to me is for you to take responsibility to say, would you forgive me? Uh, just to say, "I, I, I it, it bothered me that you'd never said anything like that, because part of the bible is is imploring us to to seek what is right. It, the issue of forgiveness is is a huge issue. And um, i I feel that it it made it harder for me, and you could just say it made it harder for me. Because you did not ever ask me to forgive you, even though I said I forgave yes. you. But, just, uh, but, but um, yes. I, I would suggest that you lead. I don't, I'm not saying you have to lead with that. I'm just saying for sure get that, to get that in. You see, I think so often yes. we, we avoid talking about uncomfortable topics and yet, yeah, you, as your own testimony would be, but that doesn't resolve the the painful emotions that you're living with. Right. Right. And now, what do you, what else do you think that you would do if you were to go on and and state that? See, I think that could be helpful to him. I think it. If he didn't do it, he has a chance. He has the opportunity then to say, well, I, yes. I'm sorry, I, I, I do ask your forgiveness. Now, you can't can't know he's going to do that. But still, you're helping him know what is, is indeed right for him to have done.
4: And if he is so studied in the Word for all these years, he, he should know that already. It, it mm-hmm. should be the undone thing, I would think, in his heart.
6: Mm-hmm. Well,
4: my other question do you think I should tell his daughter?
1: I I should just she think. She tell
4: her father, her <clears throat> brothers.
1: Well, it, it could truly be that he acted out on the sons. Um, This is not unusual. You know, um, let me give you some statistics. One in three girls, one out of every three girls, is a victim of childhood sexual abuse. One out of five boys are victims of childhood sexual abuse. So I have had many, many... Grown men tell me what happened to them as children, and all the uh, the pain that they carry for years. But it's never too late for someone to say, "I was wrong. Would you forgive me?" And it's a question. It needs to be a question. It's not, "I'm sorry." It's, will you forgive me? Right. Um, and yeah. I, I I think that, I think we are too silent on a very, it's, some people would call it a taboo topic. Um, th- the problem uh-huh. that I had years ago, we started a ministry called Hope for the Heart, and I had been a youth director Uh in the junior high division there were 600 in the junior high division and then later i was a college and career director in the college and career there were about 600 but the point is i knew that the kids would tell me things and sometimes they were some at the time i didn't know that i was supposed to report something if even if you know if if a teenager told me and i I didn't know that until later i was supposed to but anyway the point is i knew situations uh and uh i couldn't believe it because we started our ministry in 1986 and i can promise you this there was not one christian book on this topic And I thought, how could Mm -hmm. there not be? How could there not be? Well, because I not only had experienced it, but also, and and again, I had not told that. I didn't tell that for years, decades. But the point is, I'm saying to you, uh, we wrote then our material on childhood sexual abuse to help people. And I love our keys on that topic. Keys open doors, since we call them keys. Um, They are keys for living. On that topic, Um, I'll send that to you because you're. I'm I'm impressed with you. You're trying to help people get set free and help them get knowledge about that which could keep other people in bondage um right i think i if it were me i would tell but it's because you're wanting to protect you're wanting people to be whole in their lives and that by the way this is forbidden by god in the bible this childhood sexual abuse and specifically uh, and as well as incest, but the the point is, um, I know you all were family friends. It's the father of right. the family friend, and yet your parents, right. I mean, they did take action, and no longer were right. you all together. So, I uh, what I'm hearing is they really did do what they could see to do to protect you you and your family right. meanwhile okay now this last thing I understand how it was difficult when he only said well God has forgiven me um, to forgive is to take a person off of your emotional hook and put that person onto God's hook. It's not letting them off the hook, it's taking them off of your hook, putting that person onto God's hook. Your job is this the Bible says, pray for those who persecute you. So you pray that He will have a changed life. Every time you think of Him, pray. That he will have a true changed life through Christ. Pray that he will be convicted for whatever he needs to feel conviction for. And I believe that is what is most loving for him. Because he needs a changed life if he has not totally yielded himself. But you have... For you to do what you did after becoming a Christian in your 20s, um, you did what was right. And I'm, I'm impressed, but do what, I'm gonna send you our, our keys also on forgiveness.
0: We will send our keys for living on childhood sexual abuse called The Secret Storm, also forgiveness. Releasing you is freeing me. We'll send those out to tonight's caller. We do that free of charge because of your generous support of this ministry. And if you'd like to give to keep those resources going out and to keep this program on the air, you may do so at hopefortheheart.org slash donate. And we thank you. You may order resources for yourself at 800-488-HOPE anytime Monday through Friday, 8 to 5 Central Time. And our materials and recent programs are available at HopeForTheHeart.org. Also find our programs wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Until next time, for June Hunt, I'm Jeff Oliver saying you hang on to hope.